0: listening particles and i'm jane your host i like to hear inspiring stories for people that i barely know and share them with you and that's what we do here i never know how it's gonna go i never know what they're gonna say but it's always a good story Before we get started. Are you thinking about joining the ranks of podcasters? If so, let me give a shout out to Blueberry, who is part of how this show is here today. They make it so easy with their PowerPress plugin. Each show is effortlessly linked to iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and more. Even better, they have five-star support with Mike to get everything humming along. Go to Blueberry.com, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, and use promo code LISTEN to get your free month trial. Have you ever come across someone who always makes you smile? In today's episode, I chat with Topher Brophy. He and his wingman, Rosenberg, do just that. Rosenberg is a canine, Topher is a human, and their interspecies collaboration on stylish portraits is entertaining and brings a smile to your face every time. Based in New York City, they have taken what at first was a playful idea and built a platform to forward a greater understanding appreciation and acceptance of our differences so that all living beings can be more connected. While they have received a great deal of attention worldwide for their stylish and well-thought-out portraits, the reward isn't about the recognition of many, rather it's about each and every individual they can connect with and make their day brighter or shift their view. Topher Rosenberg along with their talented creative stylist extraordinaire Chantal, Help us pause for a moment to smile and remember all the players in our everyday lives. Here's Topher. Hi Topher, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Jane. I'm so excited to be here. I'm honored to have you interested in contacting me to hear about uh, the things that I do. So thank you so much for again for your interest.
0: I'm pretty excited. You're you're making me smile on an almost daily basis. So Like, that's a big thing. I want to talk to anyone who does that. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I was just
1: going to say, it's exactly what we're trying to do. So just hearing that from somebody brings me so much pleasure.
0: Oh, good. Good. You know what I was thinking would be a fun premise if we just didn't tell people what you do till about halfway through, but that seems that seems not very nice. So we should probably do that.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> so sure. I found you. I found you on Instagram because you and your um, can I use the term you use your son, A.K.A. Please. Rosenberg the dog, take posed pictures in in scenes, kind of like in a, or in, in themes, things would be a better word, matching outfits and a theme. And they're so entertaining because partly because you guys look a little bit alike, which my dog and I do as well. So I totally get that.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I'll let you explain it from here, but that's how I found you.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I guess I should probably back up a little bit. I think it'd be the easiest way to understand okay. how we got to the place right now where mm-hmm. We're talking on the podcast and, you know, you found us on Instagram that way. So about three years ago, I was going through a very difficult time. And I don't know if you've had these periods in your life where in a way you, one can lose themselves as I had lost myself. Mm -hmm. And... It was kind of like a a numbness, I suppose, is the easiest way to describe it, where I wasn't in touch with my feelings, I wasn't in touch with my emotions, I wasn't connecting with people around me or to myself, and I didn't really understand that because I was distracting myself with other things. And I was obsessed with other things. And the biggest thing that I used for the distraction was competitive sports. Hmm. So I spent every waking second I could training in various sports, in competing, in tournaments, which were formal and informal, in clubs. I was learning new sports. And it was an addiction, which I came to realize later, but I didn't at the time because I just wasn't connecting and I didn't have these fulfilling relationships. So it went from tennis, rugby, dressage, weightlifting, fencing, polo, and this is all – like
0: what What period of time? How long was this all happening in? Well, I like had – Was this been, a whole life thing or was this just in that three-year window thing?
1: Well, I always played sports growing up and mm-hmm. I was kind of in competitive environments and I think there was a bunch of pressure put on me to succeed and to feel pride in channeling the best I could be. Mm-hmm. And I think it started to accumulate when I started to lose touch with myself. And I guess the apex point was when it kind of got a lot worse without realizing it again. And I pushed myself so hard that I herniated a disc between my back and my neck. Okay. And I don't know if you've had back problems or neck problems before. Mm Mm-hmm but they're quite debilitating in the sense that you really can't move around a lot and it's not something you can forget about because you're constantly in pain. Mm-hmm. So it changes and shocks your entire system and your lifestyle. So at that point, I, I had to go to you know a back specialist, an orthopedist, and a neurologist, and they mm-hmm. both had said to me after getting MRIs and all kinds of tests that it's a herniated disc and if I didn't stop what I was doing immediately, mm-hmm. I would need to have some very serious surgery. Okay. Um, which was quite frightening. So, I, of course, I had to stop and I was in so much pain. And during that time, I kind of realized what I didn't realize before is that I just wasn't in touch with my emotions and I didn't understand myself. I think it's called dysthymia in a sense. I think it's the clinical term of, it's like a very low level of depression Okay. where where you're just kind of like numb and you're functioning, but you're not. You're like
0: detached. Really, you're like detached.
1: Yeah. That's a great word for it. Thank right. you for, for articulating that. I think
0: a lot of people have that actually.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And we just sometimes just don't know it. Mm-hmm. We don't know it. So and during that time, I had a lot of time to myself because I didn't have the time that I was dedicating to all these different distractions, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. with sports and competitions. And that
0: that can be depressing in and of itself. I mean, if you're a fit really physically active person and suddenly you're not, that's a big transition because part of that physical activity is what gives you that, you know, endorphin, all the endorphins and the good feelings.
1: Very much so. Very much so. Mm -hmm. So I was spending a lot of time alone idle Mm -hmm. and, of course, I started to introspectively try to understand myself, and I read a, a lot of books. I I did some some self help, some meditation. I also went to um, a couple of therapists that I thought could help me get to understand why i didn't understand myself and
2: mm-hmm.
1: why i was drowning myself in distractions with sports as an addiction mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like a normal addiction and might sound trivial in a sense relative to other really harmful things but it was the same pattern in my brain right. that i couldn't get over the same note the so feedback
0: loop the feedback loop was the same as other it, more commonly You know, more destructive addictions, I guess, would be the probably best way to say it.
1: Yeah, thank you again for. Mm -hmm. You're obviously very. (laughs) I may have studied a few of these things. (laughs) You're you're very good at this, Jane. So, in doing so, I I came to a a realization that the reason why I was unhappy was because I had only been thinking about myself. Uh And I wasn't really thinking about other people and my happiness was non-existent because I was in a sense I was a narcissist. Okay. And I was very self-important and I just wasn't connecting to other people and thinking about their happiness. So when I came to that conclusion I started to look around me and you know I'm not a social critic or someone who makes grand statements about society. But when I looked at myself and looked around me, it seemed that there was a lot of other people who kind of have the same problem and maybe didn't realize it or maybe may not realize it. And I think Mm -hmm. if you look at the larger forces going around in the world or the Western world, narcissism is a much bigger problem, arguably an epidemic that, You know, recent political outcomes might also paint a larger picture Mm -hmm. uh, of this much bigger issue that I was suffering and had realized it. But to go back to the micro part of it, because I was only thinking about myself, Mm -hmm. I knew I needed more responsibility and I needed to care for somebody else. And... I was grew up in a household of many pets, of mm-hmm. cats and birds, and I realized that I wanted to care for another being, and, and that's when Rosenberg came into my life, and I'll get to the, the next point, but I'll let you ask some questions that you might have <laughs> from what I said, and that's how I came to being a parent.
0: And that was like three years ago that you...
1: That's correct. Okay. Yeah, it was a, a little less than that actually. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, I mean, I, the were you the things you were going through that you were talking about? We could probably spend like ten shows on that alone. So, <laughs> but I, I think I totally get what you're saying. In fact, I think it's being created in some ways through media. Like, I bet the level of narcissism and self importance didn't exist, you know, fifty years ago, because there just wasn't as much information coming at people to keep questioning are you happy what are you you know what are you doing next are you happy are you happy are you happy are you happy and i think people look at that and think well everyone else is happy i should be happy too and it isn't like it, it, it i mean to the degree where i don't know if i'll be happy i said this out loud on the show but i actually took a test on narcissism like three different tests because i wanted to confirm that is that what's going on in my head is that my problem you know and I did score really low for anyone who thinks I am a narcissist. Like I way low. I didn't, wasn't anywhere even on well, the spectrum of narcissism. Shane,
1: but for somebody I who totally has a get it. <laughs> sh- for somebody who has a show that wants to understand people's lives, you clearly <laughs> want to know about other people and you're interested in the people and their pleasure. So you're clearly <laughs> In my view, you don't hit these notes at all.
0: Yeah, well, you probably, it might seem different to the people who live with me every day. (laughs) Maybe it's just that I'm controlling. Maybe that's the way that is. So maybe not. But um, I, so I get that. And I think there's so many things feeding that. And
1: I think the other part of it, too, is the fact that there's a level of spirituality that I think maybe, you know, as a human species we probably had more of a while ago than we do now in certain parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my humble opinion, what seems to have replaced that is just capitalism and the feedback loop of capitalism without regard. I think also just bolsters bolsters the same pattern of making sure you're happy and you Mm -hmm. want more. And it's the instant gratification Mm -hmm. So without a spiritual value system that's continuously in our heads,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: we default to, you know, maybe simpler pleasures and, you know, capitalism is tied up into that. Now, by the way, I'm not judging the world around me in the sense that the world is like that and I'm not, I'm in every which way, just as much of a, participant in a in a victim of this mm-hmm. as everybody else is so i just want to be very clear that there's zero uh, self righteousness it's just kind of like a self diagnosis of something that i really was able to look at and i've been able to help myself from that point a tremendous amount and i'll get into that later because it really involves uh firstly and most importantly the connection i have with with rosenberg and then how that was able to channel a bridge between so many other amazing things. Mm-hmm. But I'm just as, as much of in this situation as I'm self-analyzing myself as we speak. I just wanted to be clear about that.
0: No, I totally get that. Same here. I mean, I think I was on the, the train, you know, that went to, I would call it the standard American dream, you know, and then one day went, okay, I'm at that station, is this really it? Is this is, it, is this everything? <laughs> Wait a second. I don't think I am giving, you know, I on a, many levels not fulfilling a purpose of being here and being a spirit in a human body to do something. You know what I mean? And so Very much. We all get, you know, we and, and even every day is a chance to learn and do better and do be more purposeful and intentional and uh, I'm, yeah, so I'm not saying I have it all figured out. I have like maybe 10% of it figured out. And if I can keep mm-hmm. going in that direction of towards 100%, which, you know, maybe in this lifetime, I'll get to like 30%. <laughs> that would be awesome. But um, it's just going that direction instead of stopping and going, yep, I have all these things. I'm good. You know?
1: I think it's the simple pleasures are the ones that, I mean, they're enjoyable But maybe they're not as noble as kind of larger
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, meanings of, you know, I think what it comes down to when I start thinking about this stuff and I'm, I respect and want to celebrate so many different things in the world and society and various cultures. But I think, you know, coming down to. looking at the world in poetic ways, I think when that kind of mindset can be adhered to everything else just feels so much more meaningful and spiritual and beautiful because mm. it's just is a very, for me, it's been a very positive way to view every aspect of, of life even when it really doesn't make sense, even when it's very complicated, even when it's very cruel like nature can be. And when I say that, I'm, I'm kind of injecting a, sp- uh, a neutral spirituality into things, mm-hmm. I, I suppose. And I've never said this before out, out loud in, in when someone has asked me to talk about something. So I hope it does make coherent sense uh, from your perspective.
0: It does. Actually, what you just said will probably be the quote that I'll be saving from you because it was really beautiful.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, not okay. Even, good. Not kidding. Okay. Do you want me to continue where I left off when I,
0: <laughs> and I who, who's so? doing this interview here? No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah. I'd like,
0: I'd like to hear next about um, how Rosenberg came into your life.
1: Okay. So when Rosenberg came into my life and, you know, there was a situation like I, I knew I needed some, some, some more depth and uh, there was a, a puppy that somebody was looking to part with, um, which was crazy to think about. But I mean, there's many situations like that. And after I got Rosenberg, uh, I started to care for him, and he became my priority of his happiness, as mm-hmm. many parents feel about, you know, their children, their animal companions, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And in doing that. I was able to just not feel like I felt before where I didn't want to distract myself with sports or other things or material things. I just wanted to make sure he was cared for and he was happy. And I guided this little puppy from his youth into, you know, now I guess he's a teenager, but (laughs) it also became a connection between, him and me and many other people
2: mm-hmm.
1: socially, mm-hmm. it opened me up to basically caring about and thinking about the needs of other people. So he was the bridge, and then it became not just him, but he's still the number one. But everybody else's happiness became the priority for like, a life goal and a life meaning and a mission – that I was lacking before,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, having that overarching kind of direction is something that without that I was rudderless. And now I, I was able to understand that through my bond with him, and then through the bond with, like I said, everybody else. And then I'll go back into how we started to get the Instagram account okay. and so forth. So, so,
0: so he created like a shift. He was your, he was your, his sh- bonds. Yeah, yeah. So. I think we all have points in our life sometimes one sometimes many where some someone something some event creates like a profound shift and it sounds like he found you for that.
1: Yeah. And then and then the journey kept getting uh, even more interesting because mm-hmm. people kept saying everywhere that and I, you know, he goes everywhere with me, mm-hmm. that we that we look alike. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to grasp that you look like, you know, a different species because <laughs> but a you homo- really do. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you know, like you and me are both homo sapiens sapiens, right? And you know, he's a, he's a puppy. He's a, he's a canine, but all over the place, it happened a bunch.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: first I, I thought nothing of it. Okay. That's silly.
2: <laughs> and then
1: it, it started happening so many times. I started to say, Hmm, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's true. And then as a as a goof one day we kind of got a hold of clothes that looked alike and we put them on and walked around mm-hmm. and <laughs> people were transfixed and they were so happy. Adults, you know, mm-hmm. older people that were geriatric to little kids and toddlers, it made people joyous <laughs> and the looks on their faces were so impactful on me and to Rosenberg because, you know, despite not being a homo sapien sapien, he still feeds off energy and feeds off people's smiles and he oh, for mirrors sure. their smiles.
0: They're so intuitive. They're so intuitive.
1: Completely. Yeah, you know, as a dog parent. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I then at that point realized that to bring people more happiness, which was the the, the life mission I I – realized was right for me and happening to have this beautiful creature who looks like me and dressing alike continue to build this energy field of joy we needed to dedicate you know our lives and our time and our energy to this practice on a much larger scale than just walking around brooklyn where we live in new york and we realized social media and photography would be the best route to get the most impact for the world and that's when we sought out to find a partner Mm -hmm. who because we're not you know photographers although we're we're artistic for sure and Mm -hmm. we've always been i've always been really into aesthetics and in art and you know philosophy and themes and jungian archetypes and so forth but we needed a partner and we scoured the internet and Instagram and we found a photographer only specialized in conceptual work with humans and dog clothes I mean she's a much more than just an animal photographer but that was what she was specializing in at the time and her name is Chantal Adair and on her her Instagram, her, her moniker, her handle is the dog styler. And we found her just from Instagram and then she became our partner, our creative director.
0: Oh my gosh. Is she in the uh, area?
1: Yeah, what? well yeah, yeah. So so we've been working with her ever since. She shot every single photo. Okay. And she's our creative partner. So we can't talk about anything without you know, talking about her and mm-hmm. how much of a amazing, revolutionary, in, in, in my viewpoint, genius she is with aesthetics, with photography, with angles, with clothing, with um, creativity.
0: Is she in New York, though? Yes. Oh, my gosh. How crazy is that?
1: Yeah. It, um, you know... The whole thing really, I guess, was was meant to be this way because otherwise, mm-hmm. how could the, all this thing happen in this way, and we could be talking about it today? So that's how mm-hmm. the Instagram started, and that's how the collaboration started, and from there, that's uh, you know, I guess that's a good short version of you know how we got to this place. <sighs>
0: I'm just like like soaking this all in. Such a cool story. Um, Thank you. So I have lots of little questions around it. Now, sure. For people who haven't – well, if you're listening to the story, hopefully you go to the website, glisteningparticles.com, or go to go to Topher Brophy on Instagram and see some of the pictures because it's uh, it's they're, they're just like so delightful. They're so funny, and there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of personality. Um, and I actually got to see – I got to see him um, – actually at the beginning of the show live on video, so now I know that there is definitely a very big similarity. Like your eyes are even the, sh- the same. Like they have like a a little bit of a shape the same, the angle and everything. It's kind of funny. Um, did you? So did you always have a beard?
1: Um, I've had a beard off and on for some time. So it all <laughs> depends on the season and okay. – but yeah, there's been consistently facial hair for, you know, off and on for a long time for sure.
0: Because long Rosenberg time. has a beard, like a distinct beard, so you have you know when you have <laughs> yeah. your pictures together, it's like, yeah, that is so matchy. And then um did was his name Rosenberg when you adapted him or did you name him that?
1: Well, yeah, I actually this is going to sound odd, but I just felt like he looked like Rosenberg. I don't have a larger meaning as to how he became Rosenberg. It just was the kind of thing that came into my brain. And, you know, we live in an area where there's a lot of um, Hasidic Jewish people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm sure that that was, you know, the underlying uh, kind of reason for him having a name like that.
0: He He totally wears it well. (laughs) <laughs> my, dog, my dog's name is um, Francesca, but we call her Fran- a- we call her Franny because she's like just like a girl, you know what I mean. But she had to have a fancy name to go back to. So
1: <laughs> I love it. I love that name. It's beautiful.
0: I know, isn't it? I think I was reading, um, uh, what was it, under the Tuscan sun when we when we uh, got her. So that was part of it. I was yeah lining her up for a move to Italy. That didn't happen quite yet. It's,
1: very, it's a very descriptive name.
0: Yeah, so beautiful. Um, and then. I was wondering where this has led you. So as you've been, now you've, you know, you have like over 100,000 followers, I think, on Instagram right now. Um, what has this led to? Like, have you been on local? Like, what, I won't even try to speculate. Tell me what's happened.
1: I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, uh, I have to say I'm, I'm a bit kind of shy about talking about these things.
0: Okay. Well, we don't have uh, to.
1: No, it's okay. I'll, I'll talk about them. I just wanted to tell you. So if I stutter, and okay. so forth, you understand why. So we've been blessed to have a lot of attention. Um, and we're, we're so thankful because not for the attention itself. And let me get into this first. So we love people following. We love people watching. We love when people enjoy it more than anything. But mm-hmm. the reason we do this isn't has as continue to evolve. So it was first just to make people smile and make them happy. Mm-hmm. And now Once we got to that point, we started moving into the direction of we want to influence people positively as much as we possibly can through messages that are important to us and we feel are important to the world. And that's also humbly Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: anyone should have any opinions they want about anything and we respect any opinion whatsoever Mm -hmm. as long as it's not destructive or Mm -hmm. hurtful to others. Mm -hmm. So that's the caveat. So we now use this attention that we've gotten. And, you know, we've been humbled to be asked to be on a bunch of shows internationally and um, a bunch of I, – I, this is where I get really humble and, and I guess shy about talking about it. But we've been – people ask us to do stuff which is like yourself and we're so grateful for it. Mm-hmm. So we're using this attention and our project that we, you know, obviously are, are dedicated to as a portal or as a Trojan horse to spread what we think are very noble, positive messages and values throughout, you know, the world through, through the internet. And I'll talk about some of those, but I just don't want to sound like I'm preachy and telling anyone how to feel or mm-hmm. that they should feel the way that we do, because, you know, uh, it's just because we feel this way. Doesn't mean everyone should.
0: Well, everybody, so, you know, that's that's the tricky thing. When you, once you're out there, once you have a hundred plus thousand followers, lots of different opinions come in, and so it, that's the. Ta- I think it's almost like a test of holding true to what you believe in.
1: Absolutely, and we're never going to please everybody, and right. that's okay. Right. But you know, the, the the things that we feel very, very strongly about, or spreading tolerance Mm -hmm. spreading open-mindedness spreading compassion spreading the respect for everybody around us for human life for animal life for the environment for to appreciate all the local people in everybody's life and it dawned on us part of the reason why we dress in all these different kind of themes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they vary to so many different subjects, but <laughs>
0: they do, they do.
1: But, and that's and so much fun. And, and we love the theatricalness, but we also feel that people aren't appreciated that do normal things in society around us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, people don't, may not walk up to the traffic guard and just thank him for, for doing his job or the police officer for risking his life and the fireman mm-hmm. for risking his life. And all these local people that do little things that are build up the security that we have to enjoy all the little things that we might not think about, but hold our life together. We just want to show thanks to everybody. And we feel it doesn't just go for where we live in Brooklyn. It's the same pattern all over the world in little Mm -hmm. towns and big cities. And we just want to say thank you to everybody else. And through that spread, These messages of compassion and appreciation, which we feel like just make the world a better place. So the attention we get is really a means to this end for us to feel good about helping people. And, you know, again, as you said, you can't make everybody happy, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we have people very often reaching out to us. And this is really what you know melts my heart so much where they thank us for making them smile and making them feel good and we had a a woman that has multiple sclerosis that just emailed us yesterday saying how we just bring her so much happiness and joy and she feels the same way we do about helping people and Mm. spreading love and things like that make everything even if it's one person that feels that way it's it's more than enough. You know for us. what
0: you just said about how I didn't catch that, and as I was watching or like following you, the way that you're um, dressing, you know your your portraits are showing everyday people who kind of hold hold it all together, you know. And I just like got full body goosebumps when you said that because it's kind of mm-hmm. like what. I mean, we, we're, you and I are kind of on a similar mission in a way. I'm trying to shine light on everyday people who are right. doing something that they follow their passion and like really lighting up something. And you're doing the same thing. You're showing everyday people and how to remember that, to remember, you know, the baker down the road making your, uh, you know, your donuts every day or the coffee server or the police officer or the, you know, but people you cross paths with every day. And sometimes we forget to thank them. Like. I remember running out to my, um, the person who picks up our trash every week, because I was thinking to myself, like, how lucky am I that somebody comes and gets this every week, right? And then right. I, I ran out there one morning, like, waiting till he came and um, gave him something. I'm just like, I just want you to know how much I really appreciate you because I don't know what i do if this all just piled up month, you know, week after week after week. And we forget about those things, like how, like, they just, they begin to blend into the, you know, the, the scene and we forget about them. So I love that you're doing that. And I love that we're kind of on a similar mission.
1: Love that. Totally, man. I feel like I, I could do, we could be doing it better. So I'm always very, <laughs> uh, very self-critical. And the other reason why we just basically embody so many different characters, in addition to the, the ones in, in, you know, every local community,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, whether it be different religions, whether it be different, just situations or archetypes of people, you know, sometimes you might be very preppy, other right. times you might be very very, very hip hop. And while these might seem superficial to some on the surface without reading into it, and that's that's also okay too. But we're just trying to show that we're all the same. That's what I'm doing too. Oh my God. <laughs> we seriously, it
0: even, I mean, it, I've said this probably too many times for people who listen to a lot I of it. I love me. it. Like, everybody, my whole premise of this show. Well, it's world peace at the biggest level, but at the, you know, a step down from that, it's to show that we're all the same. We really just want a couple things out of life, which is to live a joyful life and have a purpose, like, you know, serve something greater, make a difference. And so those two things, that's it. And we're all doing, that's why I want to talk to all these, oh my gosh, this is so good. This that's so, so they, good.
1: It, it, they're, they're, it's very serendipitous. And uh, I, I can totally tell by, you know, the mission of your podcast. So we're, we're so psyched to be talking to you. I
0: know, I know. I'm going to have a reason to go to New York City yet, right?
1: (laughs) I would love for that Rosenberg and I and the dog style. would love to meet you. We would, Yeah. we would love to meet you so much. I I have a few other, other things. Yeah, definitely. Keep going. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. I do not mean to monopolize.
0: (laughs) No, you're supposed um, to actually. I'm not supposed to.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, you know, one of the other really important things is, is animal, I mean, this is obviously clear, but it's animal companionship and the benefits of animal companionship that have clearly helped me and, and many other people, but I feel like they're not articulated this way. And in a sense, I feel like Rosenberg and I are, taking on a role to be the spokespeople for human and animal companionship and the benefits that this can give us emotionally. I mean, obviously this much has been said about this and written about, but, but maybe not in this exact way where for me it brought out a lot of things about myself that I didn't understand and needed to understand. But in, in a way, it, the, the animals can make us be better humans By connecting us with our own humanity, because they're not only beautiful, but they're also in the moment where we're not as humans with our big brains and our anxieties and our being able to, you know, know that we one day are mortal and we're going to die. It changes their nature of not being in the moment and not being conscious about the present. And they are always in the present. So in a sense, they're almost always in a sense of a, a, you can argue that they've reached nirvana in the, in that respect where Mm. they're still uh, metaphorically in the garden and they help us come to that place where we're, you know, being with these big brains, we can never be permanently there. I mean, it's quite difficult, but they, they, by being around them so close, we kind of get a contact high of being in that in the present. They pull
0: us in. Yeah. I was um I, my son and his girlfriend have this adorable dog named um Tater. And I was at his house and they were out, uh, he and Tater were out playing in the yard. And I just was so joyful watching them because it pulled me into the present. It took my mind out of where am I going next? What was the day about before And pulled me in like there was no option, you know. When you totally look at them, yeah, totally get that.
1: With our with our with our with our big complicated brains, and the other thing is, it it pulls us into the present, but it also pulls us into nature, in the sense where you realize that we're all the same humans, Mm -hmm. animals, and we're part of nature. And in seeing them as part of nature, and us connecting them so much, it makes us. Realize that we are not above nature. We're also part of nature. It's a bridge to understanding that for me, viscerally in front of me, and because we're part of nature and not above it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we need to take care of it and we need to make sure that we're conserving what we have left of our planet.
2: Mm-hmm
1: which is obviously the, the most looming, scary issue that you know human nature and animal nature is facing mm-hmm. in the world today. It's the, the gigantic elephant in the room that will never go away and, and keeps me up at night. But I feel like our relationships with animals bring us back to that point to understand that better. And to me, it's a very important... Um, part of animal companionship.
0: Overall, I think what it does is is they expand our hearts.
1: Absolutely. I have a lot of other kind of strong feelings and theories about this too. Some might seem a little lofty. So please, uh, I just want to preface that. Oh,
0: we are all about lofty here. Continue.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I also feel that animals... Animal companions and, and, and humans in the relationship can be the bridge to understanding the humanity in, in other people, in people that we might not get along with, that we might feel negatively towards. Well, whether it's interpersonal in our local lives or maybe on a much larger scale with international conflicts to some degree where if you picture somebody that you don't like mm-hmm. and maybe that person doesn't like you. But you both love your puppies, or you both love your hamsters, or you both love it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a an uh you know, a, a canine. But you both love animals and this you're both with these cute fluffy things and you both are taking care of them. It humanizes
0: mm-hmm. it's you a both connection. It, right.
1: It's a connection and a humanization where you might be more apt to put away those strong differences you have and think about the commonalities of all being connected. And I think that there's room to explore this theory with larger conflicts that exist throughout the world of – and it could be a, a really good tool in, in helping bridge some of those larger problems. And it's something that Rosenberg and I are are mm. very much focused on now and, and in the future as we continue to, to grow and blossom, um, you know, our, our mission together.
0: Mm. That's amazing. I mean, I'm sort of like stuck in that whole that whole thought right now. I was look I was thinking about how when we look at the countries that we, you know, when we see wars between countries, if we looked at the fact that the parents there love their children and nurture them, the parents in another the other both countries love and nurture their children. In both countries they make they have celebrations for um whatever their religious beliefs are. In both countries they um, they grow food and both, you know what I mean? Start looking at some of those commonalities and the things that really are our values, even though our stories and how we follow them are different, the values are similar, you know, of, of the people, of the people, maybe not of the leader.
1: I think the more ways we can relate to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, human children are clearly the the best way, but I think that's, that's already been tried. And some, sometimes it doesn't work the same way although you know you've seen many times Mm -hmm. where people say but i have a small child and and it it might it might work to you know gather some some humanity for for sure i Mm -hmm. just feel like it's almost using the animals it's almost a different way that has that hasn't been done
0: it's just another level of it it's yeah it's another perspective another um commonality i like it i like it's it's a you have some good ideas, some great ideas.
1: <laughs> thank, thank you. I'm just you trying know, to
0: wrap my head around it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: After, <laughs> so the other way that that our animal companions can help us get more in touch with our humanity and you know become better humans, and again, that's my personal philosophy. I don't want to say everyone has to feel that way, of course, but is the way that they treat us and what they're comprised of they they don't judge us based on superficial things that you know we judge each other on and when i say we again i'm talking about everybody mm-hmm. myself included i'm i'm very much a homo sapien sapien but they don't care how much money we make they don't care what color our skin is they don't care what religion we pray to what holidays we celebrate They don't care what politician we vote for. All they care about is how we treat them. And if we love them, they love us back. And it's something that I've started calling their system of values is a love meritocracy. That, you know, that's how they view and how they behave. And I think we could learn a lot from that is, as homo sapiens particularly right now I
0: think you have a lot going on here <laughs> Thank you No seriously as you we were saying that I was thinking that's what I need to learn how to do love like my dog right Love like my dog Love like Franny
1: It's it's just it's a again it's a constant kind of helper for us when yeah. when I think you know we all need it we're you know we have very big brains and we have a lot of technology and a lot of gadgets and a lot of distractions and a lot of things happening Mm -hmm. in the world right now and a lot of things on the news and, you know, everybody needs help. I mean, our, our animal companions need help, need help as well. They depend on us. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, you know, it's a, it's a really good symbiotic relationship we have. I just, I want to try to get people to think about, those the, these aspects of our relationships with them where maybe it's just not thought of or taken for granted or maybe just not highlighted. And I think it's something we really want to help bring out in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's really amazing and impressive. And I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to like overdo this, but it's amazing and impressive to me that you took what was something that was sort of more, let's make people smile and then bill are you building a foundational purpose around it it's like now i have a platform now i'm going to say now i'm going to you know make the world a better place use it for the right purpose right
1: it's thank you you know we we amazing. have so much to so much to do and we're very energized by it and we have you know a lot of stuff ahead of us that we want to continue to to fine tune and, and and get our messaging out and and help people so we're You know, we're, we're just getting started.
0: So what's your next step? Like what's the next big thing that you're going after to get your message out?
1: So we're going to be focusing a lot more on partnering up with charities and people that champion charities. Mm -hmm. So we're getting exposure for groups in need and Organizations that are looking to basically have more exposure, raise funding for charitable causes, and there's so many of these things that we that we love. And we recently um, did a collaboration with an amazing, talented, sweet man named actor named Alan Cumming, who turned us on to the UN Refugee Agency and obviously it's a quite a applicable time given the amount of refugees in the world right now. And Mm -hmm. we talked to him and we interviewed him and we cast exposure and and made a donation to this amazing organization that basically takes refugees all over the world that don't have anywhere to go, that are in danger Mm -hmm. and safeguards them when no one else will take them into their countries. And, there's been a very unfortunate miscast of what a refugee is, you know, mm-hmm. in the narrative of the media and in the danger of who they are. Mm-hmm. They're just people that no one will take in, that are in grave danger.
0: Right. They had to leave, or they would be dead or something worse. I guess.
1: That that that's that's exactly it. So we're going to continue to to do those types of collaborations, mm-hmm. and gain exposure and help gain funding for organizations in need that are doing, you know, amazing things like that.
0: Um, it, it's interesting that we're on this topic. Like I didn't, coming into this call, I didn't realize this is where it was going to go, but it's been an utterly delightful surprise. So I'm really happy with oh. every bit of it. But last night at dinner, uh, my family was here and we were, we were actually talking about one of the challenges that I'm, feeling right now is there's so many places I want to help and do something for, like so many causes and places and um, issues and things like that. And for most of my life, I just sort of was in my own bubble of, you know, what am I going to make for dinner? You know what I mean? Like not thinking about anything, but now that I'm uh, both exposing myself to more things, like getting out there and seeing more things and then connecting with more people who are doing things to help all these causes, it's almost like even a greater thing because I don't know, I get to the point where there's so many things or some of them are so horrific, I can't even look. You know what I mean? Like, that's so bad, I can't even put my head in that space for like a second. Because Understandably it's, so. But, but what I want to do is, so I'm, t- I'm finally getting to the point where I'm thinking, maybe what I need to do is pick one and laser focus on that. So that at least I know that I'm contributing in some way, you know, like doing something. Do you find that too? Like there's so many things. Like how do you focus?
1: Absolutely. It's very, very intimidating the amount of Mm -hmm. amazing causes out there that need help.
0: Like climate change, climate change and the dogs in China and the shark fins and the plastics in the ocean and the flip flops coming to shore. And, you know, like that's just the first five that fell in my head in the last
1: day. I think that's also why we try to inject the, you know, humorous aspects into Mm -hmm. our work too, because there's so many things wrong and we have to enjoy what's right right and make people smile and appreciate just the absurdity and the contradictions of, of living and of societies we live in. So I think that's where the the humor comes in where
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, it otherwise we could just feel panicky like that kind of mentality which we also do mm-hmm. and then it's it's adding that other level of playfulness to the scenario that we're yeah. in to kind of know that like you know life can be full of contradictions it generally is, so mm. you know someone once told me that this is pretty black and white and and stereotypical, so take it with a grain of salt, but the the difference of certain philosophies and religions is. Some of them always say like, what's the meaning? What's the meaning? What's the meaning?
2: Mm-hmm. And the
1: other ones start with, there's no meaning. So put meaning into it and be comfortable with that. And that's kind of, I feel like where we're at putting meaning right. in everything and knowing that, you know, there's no definitive one. So they're all beautiful, but have that playful spirit about putting meaning in something that, you know, needs to have the, this kind of a, of a feeling and essence in poetry. And, and that's what makes it pleasurable.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, life is complicated for sure. The world is complicated. So I I think where I fall back to where I like when I get when I get into that moment of panic of like, where can I help I go back and say and decide that it is kind of black and white. It's like there's this I can bring light to the world or I can bring darkness. So the more I can do to shed light, bring light, share light. That's my platform right there.
1: And and that's why yeah and that's why looking at things in in a poetic or spiritual way is, mm-hmm. is just I mean look we could all look at things scientifically and 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 come down to that really rational part of our brains but Right. But how much fun is that? Where's right. the romanticism? I know
0: I don't like going
1: there at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I kind of like staying up in the yeah floating Where's the
1: romanticism the- there? Mm-hmm. You know it's like you know I I think I've I've read a lot of psychology books mm-hmm. lately so Listen, Sigmund Freud's a very smart man. Was a very smart man, but Carl Jung had a lot more fun.
0: <laughs> that's a good way to
1: look at it. That's a good. You one. know, yeah. I I think uh, that's it's just a more pleasurable way to look at things and and enjoy them, mm-hmm. and not and not be sticks in the mud about it. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only way we're going to make the change. Because sticks in the mud get are stuck in the mud, right?
1: They're stuck right in the mud, Jane.
0: <laughs> so, um, what's, we're getting, we're getting close to the end here. So there's a couple of things, um, I want to make sure we, we do, um, what sure. is, is there something, is there another piece that you really wanted to be sure to share on the show?
1: I feel like I've, I'm sorry, I monopolized a little bit earlier on. I, I feel like I, I got some really great things out. I feel, mm-hmm. I feel really happy, um, and again, lucky to have you interested in, in myself and, Yeah, there is one other thing.
0: Yeah, I knew there was. I I could feel it. I could feel (laughs) it.
1: (laughs) I feel that, you know, there's so many of us, millions and millions of of people in the world, billions, that have animal companions. And, you know, if someone doesn't like animals, that's also cool. You're entitled to have your opinion of, Mm -hmm. of anything. But it's important to note that, you know, we've been codependent on animals for almost as long as, human beings have been recorded in, in the world Mm -hmm. and we've adapted to them. Arguably we have actually evolutionarily adapted to them and they've also adapted to us Mm -hmm. clearly, you know, um, I think canines are the easiest, easiest example of that. But with this codependency and help that we've done, we've had for so many thousands and thousands, thousands of years, I mean, they were our alarm systems. They've been our hunting partners. You know, there's many, many other aspects that they've helped us get to where we are as homo sapiens sapiens. Some people think it's silly to call your animal companion your son or your daughter or your brother. And as a kid, I grew up with three – well, four siblings. Um, You know, Three of them were were animals and the other one was a homo sapien. But Mm – to, to refer to them as our family members is a very important and I think for me clearly acceptable thing to do. And people shouldn't feel embarrassed about doing that because of the large impact they've had on us as a species. And I just don't want anyone to feel embarrassed or shy to, to say that and to feel that. And I just want to empower people Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's okay to have that phraseology and to think that way and feel that way. Not to take anything away from our Homo sapien family, which I couldn't love any more dearly. Um, You know, Rosenberg and I are very also interested in, you know, continuing and evolving into being the spokespeople for – or spokesperson and animal companion For interspecies parenting, you know, which is a term that might sound funny, but I don't think it's been used in this context before. And we want to be the spokespeople for, you know, this specific understanding of the relationship in society as much as we can. We think it's just Mm. beautiful and and it, it shouldn't be avoided or it shouldn't be swept under the rug. It should be championed.
0: Well, I think you're doing a really great job at that.
1: Thank you. And
0: you're a great example of it. And I think there are millions of people in the world who have the same and similar relationships and the way that they view their animal companions, our family included. Boy, you should have seen the kids when her Franny was really sick recently, like really, really, really sick. Yeah, she. And how's she now? She's well. She. um, What happened? She's about, she's a little over twelve, and she, which she normally doesn't eat anything off the, off the counter or stoves, and she, I left some chicken thighs with the skin and the bones and the coconut oil on the stove, they were covered, and I didn't get back to them, and she ate them all. There were five of them, and she got pancreatitis. She was really sick. She almost didn't make it, actually.
1: Oh my god, that is so scary. Yeah, last
0: week she was in the uh, vet hospital for that. Oh my like, goodness. Feeding. It was because you just don't expect it, like out of nowhere. You know, she's fine, and then she got really—I mean, I she's not that she's never gotten a little upset stomach, but she got really, really sick. So she's fine now, though. She's actually, and she's actually living the good life now because I'm making her some pretty good meals of—I'm
1: uh, sure—boiled rice and
0: chicken every day.
1: <laughs> Please give give her give her a hug for me and Rosenberg.
0: I will. Anyway, I wanted to see if there's other places people can find you. So on Instagram, you're Topher Brophy. That's your handle. And then, are there? Do you have other sites or Facebook? Well, or
1: anything? I think the other thing is, yeah, we're on Facebook, and it's um Topher Brophy Official. Okay. We have a a fan page there, and we're also just on Facebook. And we love, you know, accepting people's friendship requests and so forth. And you know, we just want to connect and spread our mm-hmm. messaging to as many people. As humanly possible. Um, So Rosenberg is also on Instagram and he's at Rosenberg, the dog. It's R-O-S-E-N-B-E-R-G, the dog, T-H-E-D-O-G. And then the dog styler is our creative partner, our photographer, our creative director. And she's at the dog styler on Instagram. And her name is Chantal Adair. She is a amazing Hmm. genius and a visionary, like one we've never come across before. There's no one in the world that has more talent with aesthetics, and she's the one that crafts all of our clothing. Um, you know, a lot of it by hand. So they make just...
0: you make. She makes the costumes. Then they're not things you go to the store and buy.
1: It's a combination of a, a lot of different things, but okay. they're all done through her and fabricated by her through her dexterity wow. and her ingenuity. Wow. So. I like to drive everyone to look at the dog styler and okay. and seek her out. She's got a great website as well as having an Instagram. She's really a, a magician and she's incredibly pretty and sweet and smart and there's oh, she's like the most wonderful human being I've ever met.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a pretty high accolade, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
1: it is. It mm-hmm. is. And um, you know, we currently have a bunch of other collaborations that are are yet to come out so i think um if people follow us they'll see some other films and videos that are that are coming really soon i guess i don't want to okay i'm not supposed to talk about them just yet but there's a lot of um <laughs> Shh.
0: Yeah, l- larger
1: larger video and film projects that um should be breaking in the next um in the next few weeks that we're very excited about oh very cool i i just want to thank you from the bottom of my um, heart for being interested in us Aww. And for being interested in people, and for spreading so many great values throughout the world, and doing it for the end of helping people and making the world a better place—it's—it's it's such a special thing that you do. So, oh, thank you, know, you, Rosenberg, and I really appreciate you, Aww. Jane.
0: Same here. Well, give me, give, give me, give him a big hug for me, and um, I will. He's in the room right now, right?
1: Yeah, he's next to me. Oh.
0: This was delightful and Aww. and amazing. So thank you for, for showing up and having a talk with me today.
1: It is our pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your day and let's please keep in touch.
0: Absolutely. Talk to you soon.
1: Take care, Jane. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.
0: Like these stories always do, I was completely surprised with the direction it took. I did not see it coming. The idea that he went through something really hard, adopted a dog, and his life changed. That's pretty magical to me. So when I thought about how I'd integrate this into my own life, like what I learned from him, from Rosenberg, and from his story, ultimately, it gives me this kind of hope for the magic, you know, that magic that I'm always, you know, kind of watching for, kind of waiting for, seeing it sometimes in my own life, but wanting to know that there's more out ahead. And that's what it did. It gave me this hope for the magic of something greater ahead of me in my life that I don't even know what it is. And it might surprise me. It might come at me in a way I'd never expect. And I'm pretty excited about that. Thanks for listening. See you next time. So are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next. Some guest updates and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining.